0: The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Verse 5 Then the Lord said, Do not draw near this place, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know and I feel. Someone said he knows and he feels their sorrows. So he said, I have come down to deliver them. Then if you would drop down to verse 13, I'm reading a lot because I don't want to have to come back and read. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Amen. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Say, He is the great I am. Absolutely, as he, he is. Let's lift one hand to heaven. Put one hand on your heart. We thank you, Father God, for this divinely appointed day. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in the fullness of your presence. We welcome you to speak things that you have put on my paper, and things that you might say in the ears of the listeners. Holy Spirit, I love how you speak. You are the great communicator, and I welcome you, and I thank you for speaking to the lives of your people, sir. I pray we would leave with a word this morning that we need. I welcome your presence, and I refuse and limit the power of any interruption, and we just ask you to take full control. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We want all the godly interruption, amen. We want to welcome anything the Holy Spirit has to do through any of us, but we don't welcome anything the enemy brings. Amen? I tell you what's so powerful about this passage. If you will, open your ears this morning, (laughs) Mackenzie. If you'll open your ears this morning and listen. It's a private joke. And listen, her name is McKenna. Everyone say McKenna. I always try to give them new names, and I tried to give her a new name last week. But I love this. Have a good day at KFC. I love... And everywhere else thou goest. I love... That God communicates with Moses about Israel. Say, sometimes God talks behind my back. He's having a conversation with Moses about Israel. Israel, Pastor Desmond, who we know is being oppressed and going through an increasingly hard time. I love that God says to Moses, Moses, I have seen, I have heard, I have felt and I'm coming. You see, in that moment, and let me just say right here out of the gate in this about 35-minute message, yes, Jesus, let it be so. I want to say to you this morning, this one thing, and that is it. God is speaking to each one of us. He sees, He knows, He feels, and He has a plan to turn it all around. Can someone give Him a praise? Come on, this morning, He sees, he feels, and he knows. Israel had no idea that God was mindful of what she was going through. But those verbs of action, in case you missed some grammar like I did, those verbs of action shows right from the get-go that God knew, he saw, and he was willing to do something about it. It's so powerful. So God already, say God already, has a plan. The better you work with me, the quicker we'll get out of here, people. That God already has a plan, and it's in motion. So here, and failure was not an option to God. I want to tell you this morning that failure is not an option to God about his plan. God had already sized up Pharaoh and perceived him as a pawn in his own hands. There are bankers that God will use as a pawn in his hand to make you fall on your knees and call out to God who is the only one who can bring you the finances. There are bosses that are merely pawns in God's hand. They look like they're an obstacle to you, but God says, I've sized up your boss. I've sized up your past. I've sized up your present, I've sized up your mountain, I've sized up everything, and it is nothing but merely a pond in my hand in the great universal chaotic of the universe chess game of God. For every move that the enemy makes, God has a counter move. For everything that comes against you, God has a counter move. Somebody give God a praise this morning. Come on, put your hands together and shake that sleepy self off. God has a redemptive plan. He has a mission. It's already set in motion, Jerry Glover, and God's not going to fail. So here, here's my question for you. Put yourself in God's shoes. What criteria are you going to use to pick someone to pull this plan off? What is going to be your shortlist, Pastor Desmond, how will you narrow the field of candidates? For those that you will use to bring a deliverance plan. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got a short list on who, who even keeps my chihuahua. Come on, somebody. There's only three people in the history of time that have ever kept my baby dog. And he's a little old man now. He needs eyeglasses and he needs a little sweater. But it's still a short list. Come on. And there's even a shorter list on whoever kept my babies. Come on now. I mean shortlist. I was that mama that my babies didn't spend the night hardly anywhere with anybody else unless I knew who they were. I knew their granddaddy and their great granddaddy. Can I get an amen? So you see, when we go to hire someone in a job, we have such criterion. And sometimes as I've helped people come out of recovery, I've said to people who will not hire people with a felony, well, you will in the future. Because so many people are rising up out of darkness, So many people are coming out of addiction and so many people are coming out of any kind of thing that you can think about that they're going to feel the universe. And you, sir, yes, I get a little ugly and bold, and you, ma'am, will be forced to change your rule of hiring past felons because they're going to be the next awesome candidates to turn your job around. Come on, somebody. So you're God right now. Who do you choose? When we look to partner in our flesh, not in our God's side, with the most powerful. Oh yeah, we're always looking for the most skilled. You know it's funny? Whenever God taps someone, Nicole, in Scripture, He did not look for the most skilled. He did not look for the most powerful. He did not look for the candidate who had been raised by great-granddaddy Warbucks with all the money. Come on, somebody. He didn't look for someone. You see, that's the fleshly way. If I can only connect to someone who looks like they got means, then I have got a problem. God looks to connect with someone who is simply obedient because God knows he with in the equation is more than enough all God needs is someone someone say someone To be obedient. Come on, to be obedient. Someone who will be willing. Someone, I don't know that I would have chosen Moses on the backside of the desert with a stutter in his lips. I don't know if I would have chosen a man with a felony on his record. Yes, because Moses had killed somebody in Egypt and ran for his life. The warrant for his arrest could still be alive 40 years later. But the truth of the matter, God knew the thing that bugged Moses was the thing God was going to use to work through Moses. You see, Moses had a passion. He was raised in the Egyptian household. We know that. But one day he saw one of, after we don't know how, he came to knowing he's an Israelite. I mean, if you watch the movie Ten Commandments, you figure it out that that maid told him. But anyway, but if not, we don't really know how it happened. But he figured out that he was an Israelite. And one day he's walking and he sees an Egyptian beating the pulp. Now, if you've never seen anybody get beaten and you can't do nothing about it. I mean, I'm not talking about TV people. We are so desynthesized with TV. I'm talking about in real life. If you never watched somebody get the, 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 the pulp beat out of them and you can't do anything. Moses was watching one of his brothers getting beaten. And that thing that God was going to use, that holy discontent, that Moses was going to find, that every one of us need to find. In that moment, Moses stepped ahead of the game, and he killed that Egyptian. But God knew that that very pain in Moses' life, and God knows the very pain in my life, and God knows the very pain in your life, Wesley, the very pain, God can turn it into the greatest passion that you can have for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the world He wants to inundate. Can someone say amen Say, my pain can be turned in to passion. God knew and the pain in our life. You see, sometimes the pain we cause others, um, God will use to bring out a passion, that holy discontent. What makes you angry this morning? What makes you upset this morning? You see, what makes me upset and what makes you upset may be two different things. I grew up watching Popeye. Anybody remember Popeye? Wave your hand. Come on, people. He had a good-looking little love. Now the name of olive oil, and olive oil had a figure that made dogs bark and cars stop. Come on, somebody. And Popeye was just, he would go with it and go with it. And there was always an evil villain. And that evil villain was always going after olive oil. olive oil, And he would take it and take it until he'd get to the point he'd say, I can't stand it no more. Anybody remember it? Say, I can't stand it no more. You ought to get to a point in your, And then he would eat spinach, in case you're wondering. And then... He was like, his human anatomy was very strange. When he would eat spinach, only this right here would pop up, his biceps. And then he would go after anybody who was after olive oil. Yes, people back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, it was a beautiful thing. We watched Popeye. But at any rate, here's the deal. You and I have got to get our holy discontent. We've got to get to a point where we say, this is not how my story is going to end we've got to say this day is not how my story is going to end i'm going to get a holy discontent moses had to get a holy discontent filtered underneath god so if the story's already in motion which you'll understand in a moment if it's already set in plan if god already has a way he's going to deliver all of israel and he's looking for the greatest candidate you'll understand in a moment god needs that holy discontent To get into Moses. For Moses to say, this is not how my story is going to end. You see, there's something beautiful about you looking at someone else. I think we're so self-focused. We're so self-absorbed. This is the generation of the selfie. This is the generation that I need to show you every time I brush my hair. I mean, back in the old days, people, we used diaries. Everyone say diaries. diaries. We wrote in our diaries everything we hate about Sally. And we put it under lock and key. We did not post it on Facebook. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. If we were mad at someone, we wrote in our diary. And my daughters will both tell you when they turned about 12 or 13, I got out my diary, Nicole, and I let both of them read it. So they would know that, yes, their mother was a schizophrenic too. And, yes, she had crazy thoughts at 14. I don't think my mother loves me as much as my sister. I think my brother hates me. I don't think anyone likes me at school. I mean, it was so ridiculous. I needed counseling. But thank God God. I was raised to write it down, put it in secret, and take it to the altar. You know it'd be beautiful. Oh Lord, let it be that we might return to a generation that tells it to Jesus instead of telling it to Facebook. Come on, come on, yeah. on you—that's worthy of giving God a hand clap of praise. And in that pain that we come through, that God already has the story in motion. He has the plan in motion but there is a pain and there is secondly a process there's only three points you're happy this morning there is a process someone say the process and let me tell you right now God is going to choose Moses but after that murder most of us know he got sent to the backside of the desert for 40 years I want to say 40 years I want to tell you that sometimes the process in your life and my life does not look like what we thought it would look like Oh, come on, somebody. At any point in my life, I want to go to the mission field. And God said, go waitress up there on the hill at Holiday Inn. Work your butt off all day. Then do work another job in the afternoon. Then go to school and carry 15 hours. And then work another job after that at night. And let's see how you pay your bills and how you bring Jesus to people who have waitressed for a long time and mean customers that was not the process oh no I shall go to a biblical school and I shall be tutored by nuns and I shall be raised among people who speak in Latin all day and God said yay no you shall not you shall go straight and work your butt off until you can't stand and you'll cry at night because your feet hurt so bad and people be mean to you and they'll look at you like you little flea underneath my dog come on somebody they will look pitiful upon you but you know in that moment I didn't understand and I've said it before the process doesn't always look like what we think it would look like Moses didn't know for 40 years God someone say God was raising him up to be the next deliverer of the world. I'm going to tell you, he was on the backside of nowhere, just counting the days on the calendar, on the last days of his life. But God was saying, I'm fixing to turn the page, and you're going to see that the rest of your life is the best of your life. Can somebody give the Lord praise in this house? You see, the process It's hard to understand that first media point, guys, if you will bring it up. It says, if you resist the monotonous, you'll miss the miraculous. And it's coming right there. If you resist the monotonous, you'll miss the miraculous. Repeat the right things until the routine, someone say the routine, is the reward. Listen. You know what I do? I used to go to a gym years ago. I stopped in 2013 and um, 2012. And then, you know, my clothes started getting tight. I'm, I'm 55. Other things started changing. And, and I had to get another way to do it at home. I'm homeschooling. So I started doing Shanti, and then I let that go. And then come January, I I was thinking about that, and I thought, I'm going to stick with the routine instead of the results. I mean, if we're nice to someone for three days and we don't get a breakthrough in heaven, well, that's it. I ain't going to be nice to her anymore. Can I get a witness? I mean, we're going to give in the offering. If I don't see a sudden turnaround by 4 o'clock, I'm not going to give in the offering anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm going to show up on time to work every day for a week, and at the end of the week, if someone doesn't tap you and say, you go, girl. You are so amazing. You showed up to work every day early and you are the bomb diggity. I've been thinking about you and I've been giving you a triple raise. I'm putting you as president. I'm even putting you above me. You know what? There's times we got to Keep our mind focused on the routine instead of the results. So then we start to say, for 47 days, I've been clean from drugs. Come on, somebody. For 32 days, I've been working out with Sean T. in my living room. While Pastor merely says, you go, girl. You go, girl, as he lifts a coffee cup. You see, but for 32 days, for five years, I've been consistent in what God says. I've been faithful to the same woman for a year. When nothing's changed, you know what? You keep being faithful. I've been faithful to the same husband. You keep being faithful because if you overlook the monotonous of the routine, of staying where you are in the process, you're going to miss the miraculous. Can you say amen? Next media point, we have something Courtney posted on Facebook yesterday by Toby Mack. I thought it was so good. It's rare to meet a strong person who has had an easy past. It's rare to meet a strong person. I've told you this before when I do get out of my seat. There's a part in that message where I speak to the trial and I tell the trial I'm going to put it on my resume. Because often ministry students will come up to me when I'm preaching out and doing conferences and they'll say, you know, I'm not going to say the things they said. That's not important. They're impressed with one message. Y'all got to live with me. It don't matter. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But they'll ask questions and they'll say, where'd you go to school? Can I just hang with you? And I said, oh, it wasn't hanging with me that got me here. It wasn't a school that got me here it was the process of the trial it was the place of the hard knock it was the place when I ate carpet all night on my face it was the pressure come on somebody it was the times we didn't understand it was the time that nobody was there for me to lean on and Holy Spirit said if you can learn to lean on me and me alone I will make you one that walks through fire and will not get burnt I will take you through the flood and you will not drown we none of us want hard places. We all want easy street just like Annie on tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you something today. Nothing comes out of those moments but it's the pressure. It's the hard time. It's the time that you got to stay where you are and you don't want to stay where you are and you stay faithful. Moses was on 40 years in a place he thought he was forgotten but he was right in the middle of God's neighborhood at a Mountain called Mount Horeb, which means the very mountain of the Lord. You may wake up every day feeling like your circumstances have nothing to do with what you feel God has called you to do. Moses could have taken a trip. Come on, somebody. Boy, I could stay here for seven days. Moses could have taken a trip out of the desert, gone to another foreign land. He could have tried to get a job, taken. Well, if they're not going to promote me, if God's not going to come to me, it's been 40 years, and he would have out on the greatest appointment of his life. Don't check out. Don't step out of where God has put you right now. Because if you're on God's radar, which you are, you are in the middle of God's very neighborhood. Give him a praise this morning. So powerful. You see, because even though Moses was on the backside of the desert, he was on the mountain of God. When I waitressed, I was on the mountain of God. I didn't know it. When i was divorced and eating carpet things that i've gone through my life and you've gone through i could pass this microphone around You felt me felt like you're on the back side and god said you're right where i want you to be i'm working in you what only i can work in you in the process you know it's amazing i went to a a, a mexico with my youth group when i lived in los angeles and my daddy was a state bishop in the church gods so we had a swing pool and every day, my sister and I worshiped the sun god. Does anybody remember those days? Hence the wrinkles, people. Don't do it. And we worshiped it. It wasn't enough. Our generation couldn't just lay in the sun. We slicked ourselves down with oil. We laid on silver. Anybody remember? I mean, we laid on top of cars. I mean, we couldn't get close enough. The crazy things we did, I mean, aluminum foil behind your head. I mean, it was ridiculous. My face was so dark. It was ugly. Um, and I was on a youth trip and at the border the guards and that was before strict border guards tried to take me out of the youth van did not believe that I was american And they kept saying in spanish get her out i didn't understand get her out and the interpreter was like duh, 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 duh. and so they get me out i'm just standing there about 15 years old looking the mexican border guard in the face and he said finally says in english where were you born and when i answered in a very deep southern accent, because I'd only lived in California. You know, I said, Mount Vernon, Illinois. And when I said, they go, good Lord, get her back in the truck. He knew. (laughs) It saved me. But on that trip, on that trip, I felt so called to work in Mexico. I still preach in um, Hispanic countries. Love it. I felt so drawn to those people. We went from village to village. And I could just imagine myself living there the rest of my life. You see, the call was so deep in my heart. This was just still in high school. That I would serve Jesus in some way significant. But I ended up waitressing. But I wanted to stay there. And, of course, then the fact that they didn't have electricity seemed to dawn on me and there was no hair dryers. That would be a massive problem. I used to have a whole lot more of hair. And um, I thought, well, that's not good. But But I loved being there. Interesting, when I was a sophomore in Lee, we were just talking about this at lunch with our friends Scott and Cindy Thomas. When I was at Lee University, I took Spanish because I thought again, Nicole, you know, I just believe someday I need to learn how to say something more than hola and adios and taco burrito. And um, I need to learn how to say something. So I went to Spanish. But my boyfriend, Mark Harris, who's famous quite a bit now for, for him and all that, he's we're friends with he and his wife, beautiful wife. They're worship leaders with Carrie Job. He was in uh, for him for many years, founded for him. But we broke up the beginning of the semester. And being an idiot at that age, a sophomore, neither one of us would go to class because we didn't want to see each other. That was just too much, people. Too much. So we didn't go to class. None. Everyone say none. On the end of the final exam, I mean, I went to class maybe three times. I mean, I knew nothing, Cheryl. And When I wrote on the final exam, I couldn't fill in a word. But being my dramatic self, Nicole, and wanting to confess everything before all mankind, I wrote at the bottom of the final exam, Mr. Barrick, I confess before you this day that I deserve an F in this class. God bless you. Adios. (laughs) He gave me a D, people. I still don't understand it. Except the confession work, GPA at Lee was really messed up, still is. I'm at 3.8 now, I'm slowly trying to finish. But man, that 1D was a, you know what. But the interesting thing about that, about the process, everyone say the process. Plan is already in motion, we're fixing to come into the last and the meat of it. The interesting thing about the process is this. I was in Canada, some of you know this story. I was in Canada preaching Uh, about 16 years ago with my friend Kathy Payne. 2,000 Jamaican women, but um, in that group or different groups that under different dialects, then 80% is English. But they have interpreters with different pockets of people who don't speak English. And they're doing it in headphones. So they're not on the stage with you. They're doing it in the headphones. And so I'd preach twice. Everyone say twice. And Brittany, then the person in charge, Kathy Payne, I mean, it was huge, Niagara Falls, Canada, on the Canada side, huge conference center. And she said, the woman that's supposed to preach tonight, Rhonda, has said, she thinks you have the word. And I said, I couldn't even speak. I said, Kathy, there's no way. There is no way I can preach tonight. I can't even speak. The three women traveling from the church with me immediately went to prayer mode by cough drops. They didn't know which way I was going to turn. Pastor Hank and the church went to preaching, praying, sorry, went to praying and, um, Holy Spirit just said, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. Get up, and when you open your mouth, I've got this. She's right. The woman is right. You've got it for tonight. So I went and laid down. I was just so tired. I would prayed for people all day. I mean, 2,000 women, and they love to be prayed for, and they're very exuberant. You have to keep your voice way up here because they're just going all the time. When they worship, it sounds like 10,000 people. It's awesome. And um, a moment of heaven. And when I took the mic that night, the service was in high gear, when the mic came up to my mouth, immediately the Holy Spirit in that heavenly language began to speak. It just, it just flowed. I didn't even second guess it. And as I did, I see people just going nuts. I mean, he evidently was declaring things in the heavenlies. But to see a large group of people on the far right, and I, I remembered seeing this, but it was just so crazy and I was so caught up in the incredible power of the Holy Spirit himself. That I see these people throwing off their earphones. And they just are running like crazy. And uh, the service went on. It went to like 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, The leadership crew went to their room. And um, Kathy Payne, who's in charge of it, asked her workers, where is Pastor Rhonda? They said they've got her down there in a mosh pit. They did. They said they're throwing her to each other, and and they're just dancing. And the Jamaican women, I must imitate this because some of you have not ever seen this, they get in front of you when everything gets wild at the end, and and one of the older mothers is what they call them would just get in front of you, and she'd go, and that means bring me what you got. Show me the dance that you got. And you did not look away. You gave her your best white girl face and you just began to move a little bit and dance. So I was caught up to one in the morning and about one forty-five, Kathy Payne knocked at the door, my motel, and I'll open it just half blind. Yeah. She said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, okay. She said, You don't know what God did tonight. She said, I know from traveling in other countries with you, you don't know Spanish, do you? She was, in fact, I remember you failed Spanish, right? And I said, yes. And I'm just still looking at her, kind of tired. She said, when you got up to the microphone tonight, the Holy Spirit greeted the Spanish group in perfect Spanish. He spoke to them about their sacrifice. She said, what you don't know, Rhonda, they drove from Buffalo on a bus. They rode from Buffalo, New York on a bus for a year. They live in the ghetto, Rhonda, in the slums. They have a small church. They sold pickles. They knitted. They did everything they could for a year just to get to this conference. And what the Holy Spirit spoke to them in perfect Spanish, in complete sentences, he said, I know your sacrifice. I know how you got here. I know everything you did to raise money. And I, the Lord, am visiting your community, and I'm bringing revival. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody, and give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. You see, that's where even God can turn that process around, where God can say, even Rhonda Davis, that it didn't work out here because sometimes it doesn't look what we want it to look. Um, Josh, can you come play an acoustic or we do an instrumental? I don't care, whatever works. Just come play, Josh, please. Sometimes it doesn't look like we want it to look. I want to tell you something this morning before the third and greatest point, I believe, listen to me. God's story is already in motion for your life. He just needs you to merge into the highway of his agenda. Did you hear me? It's been, it's been on set, Maria, way before you came to the Hope House. I love telling about this, Maria. Every week, Maria was at Hope House. I'd say, does anyone have anything you want me to pray about? And with that long brown hair, that sweet, beautiful face... She'd say, no, but I just want to give Jesus praise. That from the first day I knocked on the doors of hope, Jesus has cleaned me, freed me, and restored me. I mean, it was hard to go anywhere after that every week. But before she landed at Hope House, God already had a plan in motion. He just needed Maria to merge onto the highway of his agenda. Before Hank Davis ever came back to Jesus, he already had a plan in motion. Right now, the Lord has a plan in motion. In 1998, as most of you know, and you can start playing anytime you want, Josh. Thank you. We appeared on the front of the largest Christian magazine. That's us in the upper right-hand corner. That's our story from addiction to restoration. It went all over the world and caused us a lot of attention, positive and negative. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) That's why I like to hide out in homeschool and go out to Hope House every Tuesday. But at any rate... Todd Haggart was living in Indiana, and where he lived, he picked up this Charisma magazine. Listen to me. He was believing for some healing in his home. He had one daughter. He was believing for restoration, and at the same time, he was looking at Lee University. So he said, Lord, could you be speaking to me? Is this your highway agenda for me? To go to Lee, and I'll go check out this church. I'll go check out these people. 1999, I remember meeting him out at the water fountain and he told me that story. Through many years, he believed for restoration to come in the way that he wanted it to come for many, many years until about four years ago, that opportunity was yanked out of his hands, lost four children living with him, and he was left without hope. I saw him through those years believe and pray All those years, Todd has been a great servant. We've told you that. In fact, yesterday morning in the little bitty, bitty room where he and Pastor were fixing to go out, there was a moment after Susan put his boutonniere on him and left the room that he looked at Pastor and I kind of like that scene off of Saving Private Ryan. He said, I pray I've been worth this. I pray that I've been worth what all y'all have poured into me. Of course, Pastor Hank and I both are just like, don't lose it, don't lose it. None of us need to cry right now said, you've been so worth it, even if you hadn't been a servant. But we've watched him. God is often working in other parts of the world. You see, sometimes someone we're praying for has a will of their own. Don't ever forget that. And you can't change a person's will. But God already had a plan in motion that he would bring glory, because that's our third point, into Pastor Todd's life. And that his faith would not be wasted. And I asked him to bring up A picture. It's not the best, but it's cute. Isn't that cute? There they are cutting their cake. Give them a hand. Very precious. Very precious. But let me tell you something in the process going into the glory of the motion that God has set in motion. There's always doubt dealers and fruit stealers. You You can bring that down now. Thank you. There's doubt dealers and fruit stealers. There's always those voices that will say, The process isn't working for you. Whatever God is trying to do in your life, it's not working for you. There's always those moments, whether you're raising kids, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a worship leader, a preacher. You see, every one of us have been called to be the Lord's expression at Lowe's, the Lord's expression at Whirlpool, the Lord's expression at Subway, the Lord's expression at Channel 12, the Lord's expression at 700 Club. The Lord's expression in sales. But sometimes we just feel like it's not happening soon enough. You know, we're so ADD. We're so impatient. If Moses had done that, he would miss the greatest moment of his life. There's doubt dealers, fruit stealers, those voices that come in and say, you're not making a difference. Or the difference is not being made in you. Whatever you're looking for, it's not here. But it's like, God was saying, Moses, will you believe me? Jackie, will you sing in times of the desert? Will you proclaim Linda his goodness when you can't see it? Will you stay faithful in that moment to know that every moment God is pushing back the darkness. And every moment the light is getting greater. Just like that wonderful story I've told you on and on again about when the they landed in World War II on June 6th, I believe. Um, 19- 44 and the allies landed on that beachhead in normandy and they came into that and you've watched any of the war movies you know how horrible it was at the end of that day ron kaufman it looked like nothing had changed at the end of that day it looked like nothing was different there will be many days in your life you'll feel like nothing is different there will be months you will feel that way come on somebody you older saints i know you know what i'm talking about If we's in a room together, we just take a hanky and run with it right now. There will be years, can I get a witness, that you will feel like you saw no results, no change. Stick with the process. Stay with the routine. And the allies, at the end of the day, it looked like after they had suffered to get on that little beachhead in Normandy, after they had traveled through awful seas, it's just a horrible visual. Go home and look it up yourself. But when they get there, it looked like nothing had changed. But you see, at the end of the day, they claimed one small piece of land. That little piece, if you ever, Chris and Susan, have stood on it. I've only seen it through movies and through, I'm one of those weird history people. I've seen it on history things. It's just a small piece of land. The Allies did everything to just get that small piece of land. You see, God is fighting just to get a small piece of land in your life and in your future. That's all God needs. And you see, they got that small piece of land. At the end of the day, no one knew that they had gotten that piece of land. But you see, what that did is it cracked a door open. It pulled the blue-eyed frenzied Adolf Hitler back. It pushed the German forces that were absolutely murdering Jews in the Holocaust. It pushed them back. It just opened a door ever so slightly. And I'm going to tell you, but when that door slightly opened, a light, a shaft of light came into Europe. and. Threw through that, it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of days until there would be victory day in Europe. Then there'd be victory day in Japan. And then Hitler would come to his demise of death. And the monster would be killed. And the Jews would be free. And the world would once again be free. It's only a matter of time. And let me tell you to get to the glory, you got to hang with the process. And you've got to tell yourself, it's Only a matter of time until I see the glory of the Lord. Somebody give him praise. So God says to get to the glory. Moses, there's a hush. It was holy ground. Moses, I've called you to do this. And here is Moses. He's talking to the great infinite one. Listen to me. We're turning the corner to the end here. And he says, who shall I say sent me? You see, the Jews knew the name that was the, that was the name of God called Yahweh, which was most high. Everyone say most high. But like what Moses had the guts would to say, I hear what you're saying to me. But can I see some identification? Can I see your social security number? Can I see your driver's license? Can you show me something that will let me know it's you? I know you and I've heard of you as Yahweh the most high God and there's a moment where Moses is saying, Lauren, but I need to know the personal name by which you go by. I've known you as the God who moves mountains and rivers and lakes but in this season of my life I need to know you and your personal name. There are moments in every one of our journey when we'll say, I've seen you do it for others, but I need to see the personal moving of God in my life. Can you say amen in this house? And God does not give him a pep talk. God does not send him to the center of you can do anything, Moses. You can't. He doesn't send him to a Tupperware marketing. He doesn't send him to a sales thing. You can, you can, you can. No. He says, I am that I am. Moses, I'm not counting on you to pull this story off. I'm counting on God says to Nicole, I'm not counting you to pull this story off. God says to Cat, I'm not counting on you to pull this story. Off. God says to Austin. God says to Angel. All I want is for you to be obedient. I'm counting on myself to pull this out. I'm counting on myself, says the Lord, to bring the next season of your life to make things have sense, to make things have reason. I'm depending on myself. And it's funny when he gives him that name of I am that I am, in the Hebrew, I'll help you learn how to say it. It's like Hayah. Everyone say "Hiya!" It's like karate. Hiya, and you almost have to do it that way. Hiya, Because it's the very breath of God. I am that I am. Hiya is pulling this off. Next time you get in a bind, you get in a deep place, you just start walking down your hallway saying "Hiya, hiya." The I am. You see, it's powerful what God was saying. I'll give you my credentials. I'll tell you who I am. Because I'm not counting on you. I'm just counting on your obedience. God was in no obligation to answer Moses' question. He's in no obligation to answer your question, Christy, Rachel. But God does. And he says, you know what? You're cute, Jackie, but you're not smart enough to pull this off. You're smart, David Layer, but you're not smart enough to pull this off. I am that I am. So here's the deal. What God is saying, let me begin this, to end this. He's saying, I am the center of everything, Nicole. I am Mish running the show. I am Courtney, the same every day and forever. Keith Higgins, I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the creator, Austin, and I am the sustainer of life. I am the Savior. So here's the deal, guys. Here's where we land. If his name is I am, what is our name? Well, some might call you Ron, some might call you Brittany. Some might call you Keith. Some might call you Jerry. But let me tell you what your name is. If his name is I am, my name is I am not. I am not the center of everything. I am not more than enough. No, I am not. I am not inexhaustible and immeasurable. No, I am not. I am not not in control. I am not the solution. I am not all powerful. So just take that yoke off of your shoulder. Someone reach up and just take that off your shoulder. Everybody do it. I am not calling the shots. I am not the owner of everything. I am not the Lord but he is the great I am. I am not. Come on somebody. Come on somebody. Give him praise in this house. Stand all over this building. Right where you are, we're going to pray. Don't nobody move unless there's a 911 emergency. Just stay. Just stand and stay. You can do it. You can do it. I am that I am. And that is my name is what he says. I am. So we are not the head of anything. We're not in charge of anything. We are not the maker. We are not the savior. We are not holding it all together. We're not all knowing. Let me tell you, everything begins and ends with God. And everything belongs to him. Colossians says Jesus is the head. He's the one that holds the world together. And there's things in this room right now that we don't know how to fix. There's things inside our mind and spirits. There's questions we cannot answer. There's things that lie in the residence of each person standing here today. You may feel like you're in the wilderness and someone put you there, but don't worry. God knows where you are and he knows how to come get you when it's time. He knew where Moses was. God knew how to tap me up there waitress, and heal my marriage and put me in full-time ministry traveling the world in a matter of days. The process seems forever, but when God shows up, He does it in lightning speed. But we get weary. We get tired. We get overwhelmed. We get frustrated. Well, Well, I did good. I didn't bite my kids' head off for three days, and they're still not acting like angels. Come on. Come on. I was kind, I tried to serve. It says do everything with a cheerful heart. I'm telling myself and I've cleaned the commodes in my house and washed all the clothes and picked up everybody's dirty stuff for two weeks like a cheerful servant and I'm done. I'm done. And the Lord reminds me, that's part of your calling. My sweet daddy who's traveled the whole world, he's preached in every country on the planet. I have pictures of him in Brazil, Korea, Iceland. Not only that, but he's been Jesus with skin on. Ministers in nursing homes, taking care of Alzheimer's patients. But when I worry about him, because he, he takes care of my mom and she's getting to a place that's really increasingly hard, physically, in many ways. And I go over there several times a week, but I say, Daddy, I'm worried about you. And he takes my hands in his hands, That's strong six foot. I called him on the way to church just to hear his voice because he goes to early service. He took my hands in his hands. He said, you know what, baby? Just as it was God's calling for me to preach in Argentina, Brazil, to lead thousands to Christ, to write books, to do all of that, it is my calling this day to take care of my wife and your mother. I have been anointed for a time like this. I'm ordained. When they ordained me and sent me around the world and was an official with the Church of God and all that, they also ordained me for this season. I got gooses all day, as Jayla would say. They've ordained me right now to do what I am doing to take care of your mother. You see, that's why I consistently try to educate people the way he educated me, because I looked him in the eye and said, I know, Daddy. That's why every season of my life, whether I've been wiping my baby's butts, forgive me, whether I've been cleaning toilets, whether I've been vacuuming for a shower, if it's unto Christ, it is all holy, it is all good, it is all magnificent, if it's under Christ. If it's working in the grocery store, if it's working at Lowe's, if it's cutting hair, it's under Christ. You've been ordained and called for such of this time. Seasons change. They look different. Seasons have a different. If you ever get melted into one season, but I've watched my heroes of faith just be flexible with God wherever he moved them. They brought the same anointing. They brought the same word of hope. They brought the same light. That's why I taught my babies and sang in the spirit with them and taught them of the word like I was teaching on Daystar. Because my daddy taught me, wherever you are, you bring Christ into the room. It's not always pretty. No, 95% of the time it's ugly. Can I get an amen? It's real. It's hard. It's rough. But God says, I've got a plan in motion. I need you to merge onto the highway of my plans. I'm trying to change you. I'm trying to perfect you. I've got you teaching school to change you. I've got you cutting hair to change you. And in the midst, you'll change other people. Give him a praise in this house. So you know I can't end this and get ready to pray for you without saying this. My favorite saying, I am that I am. Listen. Whenever time I point to you, you know the drill. You say, I am. Okay. I am that I am. Everyone practice it. I am that I am. I need help, God says. I need hope, God says. Who could possibly be smart enough to figure it out, God says. What works, God says. What lasts, God says. What is the latest thing, God says. I need a fresh start, and God says. I need a bigger story, and God says. My vision is bigger than my resources, but God says. I'm not sure who's on my team, but God says. Nobody's listening to me, nobody pays me any attention, but God says. My marriage is sinking and I don't know where to turn, but God says. My kids deserve more, but God says. If I fail, who will get the job done, but God says. I'm not sure while I'm even here, but God says. I've given and it's not enough, but God says. I'm tired, but God says. I want to quit, but God says. I don't know if I can, but God says. For every cry, there is one answer. I am that I am. Now give him praise that he's worthy of. I'm done. Come on, give him praise that he's worthy We bless your name. Great I am that I am. We bless your name. Great I am that I am. As every eye is closed in this room, if you have a need this morning, I want you to listen to me talk to you.